you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. You're listening to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast with Randy Rubenstein, episode 152. Well, hi guys. Welcome to July. Uh, Today, I want to just, I was thinking, I know what I want to talk about, but I don't know. There's so many stories that have been happening lately and I thought, I think I'm just going to share a bunch of stories with you and see if there's a thread that weaves it all back together. I have a feeling there will be. So I'm just going to have some fun doing a little storytelling and I hope you guys enjoy it. So the first story that came to my mind was I had a friend over a new friend. He happens to also be a dad in my private mastermind who is a neighbor and um, like not on my street, but like on my walking path. I walk my dogs all the time and his name is Seth and I actually am going to have him on the podcast a little later this month. And so y'all will get to know Seth and, and I've been trying to talk Seth into being a co-host for me sometimes. And he's like, I don't know. I'm not sure, but you'll see. He's freaking hilarious. And, um, and so I finally talked him into it. So he's going to be on this month and maybe there will be future Seth episodes. I'm not sure, but Seth has his wife, Sarah, who was in the mastermind first Well, technically, they both joined my private mastermind as a couple, but I didn't know Seth because like most of the dads, he wasn't involved. Took him a while to get involved. And um, I love busting his chops about that. Um, And so I didn't know Seth, but I knew his wonderful wife, Sarah. And so Seth now has moved into, you know, like a few streets away from me and we've gotten to know each other and we've become friendly and he, you know, he, he likes all the things that he's learning in my mastermind. And so we have a lot to talk about. And um, so his family was out of town because Sarah is a physician and we live in Texas, but Seth and Sarah's kids go to a camp, two boys go to a camp in New York and Sarah goes with them and she's the physician at camp for the three weeks that they're there. So Seth was a home, was home alone in his house for like three weeks. And so I kept saying, you know, you'll come over, you'll come over for a drink, you know, or come play ping pong or do something. So he comes over one night and he's hanging with me and Scott and we're sitting on our porch and we're having drinks and, um, and just getting 
I don't know, you know, Scott and and Seth had never really spent a lot of time together. I've mostly talked to him about like parenting stuff. Um, But we just were talking and just finding out more about like life and stories and what made him become a lawyer and just, just learning. I mean, I love learning about people and their stories. So we were having a fun night and just hanging out and he was cracking us up and, um, and towards the end of the night. And it was really good because like in my private life, I really don't want to talk about parenting and I kind of hate it in my personal life when people pick my brain about things, especially when we're around my family. I mean, I don't hate it. It's my favorite thing to problem solve uh, kid issues. Uh, And I know it is my zone of genius and it's kind of where I just light up and feel energized, but it's not very fun for my family. And so, um, so I really try to shy away from that when I'm, you know, hanging with adult, having adult time and, um, and not to subject my husband to that. And so, um, like they live with me, they don't need to hear me teaching the things that I teach. So, um, so we're having this lovely night and towards the end of the night, Seth brought up one of my programs and he, you know, I name, I name the different tools I teach. A lot of times I just name them these goofy acronyms and there's a reason why I name them these goofy acronyms because, um, because I kind of feel like when it's goofy, it's kind of fun and you're more likely to remember it. And so he used some term, um, and Scott was like, what, what are you saying? And Seth kind of looked at me like, he doesn't know, like, how does he not know you're sick, you know? And, um, and I, so then I had to like explain what the acronym stood for. And, you know, Scott was like, you're such a dork. And I'm like, people remember it when it's a little dorky, you know, SAP for my productive conversation, how to master empathy without seeming like a SAP, you know, like these are not soft skills. These are important skills, but let's just have some fun with it and call it out. So anyway, we're doing that and Scott was kind of rolling his eyes and then Seth just, you know was like, you know, it's kind of like when you're dysregulated and yada, yada. And Scott said, my husband of this year will be 25 years, who has literally lived with me as I've developed mastermind parenting. Um, and he's lived it, right? He's been a part of the process. He's like, what term do you keep using? And we're like, I was like, dysregulated. He's like, what does that mean? I was, and I just was like, how do you not know what that means? He's like, I don't know what that means. So that got me to thinking, you know, a lot of times we throw these terms out and people don't know what they mean. You know, it's kind of like, it sounds clinical. And so because we use terms like when our children are dysregulated, meaning you're unbalanced, your nervous system is wonky, you know, you are not your best self because you feel rattled in your body. And it made me realize, like, this is not a term that is mainstream. But my husband doesn't know what it means. And so um, so I just kind of wanted to break that down a little bit more in case I haven't. Um, that the term dysregulation is also known as emotional dysregulation. And it refers to a poor ability to manage emotional responses. You know, it may also be referred to as marked fluctuation of mood, mood swings. Um, And when someone's experiencing emotional dysregulation, they may have angry outbursts, anxiety, depression. So 
when we're dysregulated in our central nervous system, it basically means like we're not capable of being in our thinking brain in that moment, like our smartest, best, most awesome self. That's when that's when we behave like lunatics. That's when our kids behave like little lunatics. That's when people have temper tantrums, old people and young people. It's all those moments that we don't exactly feel proud of later. It's when we're not feeling calm and centered and grounded in our body. Okay, so I just wanted to explain what the term dysregulated is. And I want you to think about, you know, we all have moments of dysregulation, all of us. Sometimes you might get a text from your mother-in-law or your, you know, an old friend or another parent or somebody that's sort of a frenemy. And you can just tell like something about it is a little judgy or snarky. Um, And in that moment, your heart starts to race a little bit or you just feel hot and you're pissed and you got to call someone and you got to vent or you're, you're like, I don't need to deal with this shit. And then you like take it out on somebody else that you love later, but you're not really sure why. It's just because there's, Things that happen in our lives, there's circumstances that happen that cause us to feel a certain way. And, and, and usually it's because something about that situation makes us think like that other person thinks I'm an idiot or thinks that I'm dumb or thinks that I don't matter or doesn't respect me or it just dismissed me or you know, or I don't feel safe with that person. That person just sent me a text and I know that they're talking about me to other people or, you know, there's a, there's a number of things, but it just causes us to feel dysregulated in our central nervous system. And then our brain spins and, um, and we have fluctuations in our, the chemicals running through our veins. It causes us to have, you know, heightened stress hormones. So there is a, it's a real physiological response that you're happy that you're having that has to do with some circumstance that happened in your environment okay I just wanted to lay that out there and um and you know this summer we've been talking a lot about balance and balance in our bodies balance in our lives um and balance always starts with uh noticing what when and what causes you to feel dysregulated in your body, what those sensations are when they show up, and then getting a handle on it. And there's a lot of different things that you can do to get a handle on it, but even just becoming aware of those moments is a great first step, okay, is a great first step. So the balance has to start with you. And you can't expect your kids to show up feeling regulated, which little kids live in their emotional brains for the most part. So lots, they have lots and lots of dysregulated moments during the day, but just know that like, it's like everything starts at the top and trickles down. So if you're walking around in a dysregulated state, a lot of the time or quick to explode, just know that like your kids will be too. Okay. So, so the only thing you truly have control over is yourself and where we're going to start is noticing when you have those moments of dysregulation in your body and starting just to bring more awareness to that. Okay. Um, Now, 
my next story that I want to talk about is I've been working with this couple and um, I've been working with this couple. I don't know. Something's been going on where I've been lately dealing with a lot of men and usually I'm dealing more with women, but I don't know. I've just been finding ways to invite more men to the conversation and that's been super fun and kind of challenging and something's happening in my brain where I'm just like studying men. And, um, and I never know when I'm in process, I never know exactly why, but I've just been having a good time kind of interacting and studying the men, the men's. Um, so I have this couple and I've really gotten to know the wife a lot, but I hadn't gotten to know the husband as much. And, um, absolutely crazy about her. She's awesome. Um, she's like, you know, my, she's laughing because she left me a message, I think yesterday or the day before she goes, I was talking to my assistant and telling her how Randy just keeps telling me I need to get my shit together. <laughs> she, and she was laughing about it. And, you know, and I was like, well, I didn't say it exactly like that. She's like, yes, you did. Um, but this is a woman who is a lover of life and she brings the fun. She brings the magic. She comes from a place of yes. Um, we're working on boundaries and, um, and you know, the way she kind of will describe things is that she's out there living life to the fullest and her husband kind of, you know, has the boring, you know, law job. And, um, she's got, you know, this whole creative business and she's you know got all these Instagram followers and and her business is is a blast she's super passionate about her business um and then she's got three kids you know so she's got a busy life three kids and and schedules and sports and all the things um and then husband works in his law practice and you know then comes home and so we're trying to kind of just help them communicate better with each other. And so I was asking them about a situation recently that, you know, where they were at odds. And this simple situation came up that they were remodeling, they're doing a little remodel project on their house and they were at odds because there was this room upstairs that was sort of their playroom And she said, you know, my kids never go upstairs. They're like on top of me all the time. It never gets used. It's one of the largest rooms in our house, or it is the largest room upstairs in our house. And it's a waste of space. Nobody's using it. And it would just be much, it would be a much better use of the space if we made it into one of the girls' bedrooms. And she had this whole explanation. Okay. So dad had said, I want to keep it as a dedicated playroom. I think it's nice for kids to have a dedicated space. And he had his whole argument. And he thought that, you know, that was the decision. But then he comes home from work one day and there's a big brand new pottery barn bed in the room, like this girly sleigh bed, and the room's painted pink. And, you know, when I work with couples, I always have them do all these fun assessments. So they're wired very differently. And she said, O-M-G, like you would have thought I had done the worst thing in the entire world. Like that literally is the maddest I've ever seen him get. Okay. 
So when he came home and saw the playroom painted pink with the brand new sleigh bed, he was dysregulated in that moment. He was pissed. He was pissed. That and so of course I've I called I called that whole situation playroom gate, and um, playroom gate caused him to be more dysregulated in his body than maybe he had ever been before in their entire marriage, and you know was it really the playroom being painted pink? No. When we started delving in and digging in, there was other things that were coming up, but at the end of the day. You know, he felt ignored. He felt dismissed. He felt like he felt blindsided. He felt like they had come to an agreement and then he came home and the room's pink. You know, so sometimes, you guys, it can be these simple situations and, that cause you to go into a major state of dysregulation. And I mean, because I promise you, when dad comes home and sees the room painted pink and he goes into a total state of dysregulation, you think the rest of the evening is peaceful for anyone in that home? You think the kids are affected? Like mom and dad fighting over playroom gate? Yeah, it's going to take the whole household down. And I want y'all, you know, when we when we dug into it, of course there was old unfinished business and other things that were really coming up for him but you don't know that in that moment of dysregulation okay you don't know that and so um I think it's important to notice when you have these dysregulated explosive moments like holy shit what just happened why did I get so bent out of shape? What was really coming up? Like adding that piece of curiosity to what was really coming up for me so often helps to learn from this moment and sort of start dissolving it so that next time like we can handle the pink playroom and the sleigh bed in a much calmer, more rational way and not become, as I like to say, the wronger one. You know, the one who all of a sudden becomes, because the minute we become the lunatic that explodes over the little things, we sort of learn, lose all credibility, right? Um, and so, you know, was it right for her to spring the pink playroom and the sleigh bed on him when that definitely hadn't been decided on? Yeah, of course it was. But the minute he starts to get so crazy and dysregulated, you know, it's like whoever's the wrongest one trumps the initial wrongdoing. So start to notice when you have these moments where you get extremely dysregulated or explosive over something simple like playroom gate and, and bring a little curiosity in like what the hell is coming up for me and start to dig in and ask yourself those questions. A dad I've been working with privately who was like, I get triggered and I need to work on this. I, I, I need to work on why I get so triggered over little things. So I had him share a recent scenario. And the recent scenario was he was reading to his five-year-old son. It's summertime. And they read a story. They've read a lot of times. And after the story, mom comes in and mom says, and mom, you know, has done the programs in the mastermind um, and dad has been supportive of it, but he hadn't really taken part in doing the actual programs himself. 
the same reason that many men don't take part and initially is because you know they're very busy doing more important things not realizing that this is the most important thing and this will affect their entire life and marriage and relationships and they'll learn tools that they can bring with them to all the important things like work you know whatever um but this you know it's like even the good guys can justify why they don't really need to do the work but then ultimately the good guys come around and they eventually do the work so this is a dad who his wife she's drinking the mastermind kool-aid she's been practicing the tools she comes from an amazing place she's got so much patience um they tried for like 10 years to have their sons they went through a lot of fertility like these boys are so wanted so loved um it's a beautiful family and the couple um they have such a sweet relationship so even though dad needs to work on his triggers dad gets meaning dad explodes easily you know it's a nice way of saying like nobody wants to come and say look there's sometimes that I explode and act like a raving lunatic nobody wants to say that about themselves um but that's really sort of what it means I have lots of moments of dysregulation that I'm not so proud of and I know it's not healthy and I don't want you know and my wife knows it's not healthy and not healthy for me not healthy for my boys so I've got to work on this stuff so been working with dad so this recent scenario, dad's reading to his son and they read this book and mom comes in afterwards, just checking on things, you know, being her little mom self, just checking on things. And she noticed what book they're reading. So she's like, so, you know, we really need to work on reading comprehension. You know, it's like good mom, here's all the things from the, all the educators. Don't let all their skills go you know, stale in the summer, keep working on that reading comprehension, um, which y'all stop with the freaking reading comprehension, like really. Um, so anyway, so mom comes in, mom's going to multitask and she's like, starts quizzing five-year-old about the story and the five-year-old, it's the end of the day. He's snuggly in bed. He just heard the story with dad. And now all of a sudden mom and her agenda, sweet, well-intentioned mom and her agenda come in and starts asking him about what happened in the story. And five-year-old says, I don't know. And dad says, I just read you that whole story. What do you mean you don't know? Like he gets triggered. And five-year-old says, I don't remember. And he's like, you don't remember it? So then it's like game on. So dad gets triggered. Dad gets dysregulated. Dad starts getting accusatory. All of a sudden, this delicious reading moment, you know, sending his boy off to a sleep, feeling loved and nurtured and connected with his dad. All of a sudden, that moment's ruined because of, the reading comprehension agenda and dad gets triggered you know so when I quiz dad like what what about it bothered you so much like what was the sentence going through your head and he's like WTF like what do you mean you don't remember and as we kind of dissected the scenario it's such a nothing little scenario but it's like what caused you to be so dysregulated let's get curious about that what are you making that behavior mean 
What are you actually pissed about? What are you actually worried about? And it was interesting when we dug in because, um, you know, dad at the end was like, yeah, I got it. Yeah, like he got curious about why he got so bent out of shape about that. When the truth of the matter is, is the time to ask your son, you know, to go over his reading comprehension skills to make sure they don't go stale at the end of a long day for a five-year-old right when he's settling in for bed? No, not the best timing. It's like, it's like going in and asking your boss for a raise when they, you know, just found out that their wife was leaving them or something. Like, no, know your audience. You know, look at the other person's perspective. Have a little empathy. Meet them where they are. And, he, and, and, and dad was bringing his own agenda. Like, why am I wasting my time if you're not even going to absorb any of it? Like, why am I wasting my time here? And I said, well, is it a waste of your time? He said, well, when I asked him about it, he said he just likes, he wasn't really listening to the story. He just likes the sound of my voice. And I said, why is that a bad thing? And he's like, well, I don't need to waste my time. Like, he's just sitting there hearing the sound of my voice. I said, wait a minute. It's at, at the end of a long day. He's basically saying, what I need right now, Dad, is to be lulled to sleep, to feel safe. Your voice, it's... It's slow, it's grounding, it's calming my nervous system down, it's making me feel soothed and ready for sleep. Like, what's wrong with that? He told you the best part of that story was not the actual story. It was being with you and you making him feel safe and grounded and loved. Like, why is that a bad thing? And dad's like, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. So... Afterwards, you know, I said, so let's come up with a trigger plan. And we worked through it. And we named what that trigger actually was, what was really lurking beneath the surface there for him. And then we had a mantra, you know. And we also talked about, like, when you notice that you're getting triggered, like, like doing some things that calm your own central nervous system. I taught him this little thing that you can do in your ear that, that um, actually – is a way to affect the vagus nerve that runs throughout your body that helps to stabilize your nervous system, you know? And, um, and then he was like, Ooh, there's this scene from this movie. Have you ever seen the movie bad boys? And he was telling me about a character and how he always like rolls his ears and does this thing in his ears. And I said, yeah, taking a deep audible inhale and exhale, a series of three of them that literally sends calming hormones through your body, lowers cortisol levels, Doing that little ear trick like from the movie, yes. Like like direct access to the vagus nerve. You know, this is science. Like how freaking cool is that? Noticing when you're triggered and then taking the measures to calm your body down. So I thought that was super cool. Um, okay, the last, well, maybe not the last story. The second to the last story that I wanted to share with you guys is my daughter is home from college and very full circle. She's babysitting. She's been babysitting in the morning um, for a teacher that was her second grade teacher when she was younger who now has her own kids. And her second grade teacher, uh, she said, you know, she's her baby is a COVID baby. And um, we're like, what does that mean? Well, she was born 
at the beginning of COVID. So now she's like 18 months old and she's never been away from mommy. She never had to be away from mommy. So she's got major separation anxiety. So mom was all worried and I said, don't worry, don't worry. Avery can handle it. So Avery, the first couple of days, mommy was there, but just working in her office. And so Avery was there and the little, the little one was getting used to, you know, Avery and there was some crying, but for the most part it was, you know, it was okay. Cause mom was just in the next room and Avery could kind of bring her to see mom and, and, and help her to feel calmer and safer and more regulated in her body, the child, um, you know, by seeing mom. But this particular morning, um, mom was actually going to be leaving the house for a doctor's appointment. And so Avery's like, okay, this is it. It's D-Day. You know, I know she's going to be hysterical. And so I said, okay, so here's the thing. I said, what most people don't know is that you actually handle it the opposite way of what you would think. I said, even an 18-month-old, you got to validate her feelings. So when she's dysregulated, what's going to help her to feel calmer is to empathize with her to see her perspective, not to try to talk her out of her perspective. When you empathize with a person, an 18-month-old or, a, you know, 48-year-old, when you empathize with someone by seeing their perspective, whether it's calm eyes or, yeah, that's really hard. Wow, stressful, huh? When you don't try to talk someone out of their feelings and you just are like, yeah, I get it. I got it. Like you're entitled to those feelings. It doesn't matter what age, all humans feel calmer and more regulated in their bodies when you properly empathize. So what does that look like for an 18 month old? I said to Avery, when she starts crying, what does she say? She says, mommy mommy I miss mommy I want mommy I want mommy and I said all you say is is you love your mommy she's the best she's the best mommy in the whole world you love her so much see so you're not trying to talk her out of it I said and you just say yes she's the best mommy you love her let's look at pictures of mommy where is she show me pictures so anyway after words I was like how did it go she was like perfect and I was like it did no crying she was like well no she started crying but then I did that thing and then I even I went on my phone and pulled up pictures um of her mommy on Facebook and showed her pictures and we looked at pictures of mommy for a second and then she was fine no crying like it was literally like magic I was like yeah isn't that funny how that does that it literally calms the nervous system when we know the right communication tools. So um, dysregulation, being able to see the other person's perspective, when you are with someone else who is dysregulated, don't try to talk them out of their feelings. Just know less talking is more. Like literally, like it's like with, it's like we should take tips from how to calm an 18 month old you love mommy like like less talking is more 
So empathy, empathy with your eyes, which Avery, my daughter, calls soft eyes. All you got to do is look at them with soft eyes and get them to look at you. And you just have the soft eyes and they like, you see their bodies relax. So that's how you support a dysregulated person is um, you try to give them empathy if they're extremely explosive, especially if it's an extremely explosive adult person like your partner. Um, do not fight with them. It's very triggering when people are explosive. Get away from them. You know, if you can empathize, just be like, I, I hear you. Yes, it's super annoying. Yeah, I got, I got it. Like help them to tag out, disengage from them. Um, don't try to have some big conversation in that moment or tell them why they should think differently. Like all that does is add extra input to a person who's already dysregulated and it never turns out well. Um, and, uh, you know, look, I have, I, I wanted to share a win or two from, there was a conversation going on with the moms in my group and they've all been working on this. And, um, and one of the tools that we teach is the Q-tip, quit taking it personally. Cause when other people are dysregulated and not being their best selves and acting, you know, less than awesome. Let's just call it that. Um, it's easy to get triggered yourself and to accidentally exacerbate the situation. So I thought there was a couple of wins that my mom shared that um, y'all might relate to. And I thought they were big deal wins, okay, because it involved them not exacerbating a situation. So one of my moms said, just wanted to share a parenting win. Earlier today while helping my son iron on labels for sleepaway camp he freaked out and yelled at me that I messed it up and said that I ruined everything typically I would have been super hurt and felt bad about myself and caused a fight and a power struggle however today thanks to this work I q-tipped and didn't say a word in the moment then just now several hours later he comes up to me and says mommy I'm really sorry I was mean to you earlier I was just really stressed I hugged him and said, I forgive you, baby. Sometimes we take our stress out on those we love the most. It isn't right, but we all do it. Thanks for the apology. Okay, you guys, there is so much about that right there that like, I was like, this is a big deal win. I mean, it's like she didn't try to fix it. She didn't lecture him. She allowed him to come to it on his own. She didn't exacerbate the situation. Um... And then she acknowledged, like, it's vulnerable to own your stuff and to apologize. And then she said, thanks for the apology, you know? Like, like she acknowledged the courage it took for him to be big enough to come and, and own it, you know? And she also empathized, like, me too. Sometimes we all take the stress out on the people we love the most. And that's the damn truth. And when we try to act like we never do it to our kids and our kids do it to us it's like hypocritical our kids aren't buying it they know we freaking do it so like she didn't rub it in she was just like yeah I do that too and hey I appreciate your apology like this is I thought that was handled so beautifully um another win from mom she said I have a win to share from tonight that melts my heart my daughter was in her room laying down on her bed with her feet on the floor and she had a squishy toy on her hands. And my son wanted to play rough and came in too hard, this is her much younger brother, and hit her in the stomach. And she yelled, ouch! And then she sat up. She was defensive. 
I was in the room with them and I came close to make sure she wouldn't hit him back. And I asked her, I said, are you okay? And then I said, did you like that? This is older sister. She's about eight, seven or eight. And younger brother is just about three. Okay. So I said, are you okay to the older sister? Did you like that? She said, no. I said, well, tell your brother so he knows. So she looked at her younger brother and she said, I didn't like that. And then the three-year-old came with his arms open and said, I'm so sorry, sister. I'm so sorry. And they both hugged in the most loving way. She kissed his head and told him he could play with her squishy toy. My heart just melted and I gave them some attaboys. What a sweet moment to witness. I think they're truly learning how to handle conflict. And it was a surprise to see my daughter, my younger, my younger son, apologize like that to his big sister. So there, we had two kids that were dysregulated. Mama stayed regulated. She didn't get all bent out of shape. She could think clearly. She had the tools. She walked them through it. She walked them through it and they resolved the conflict and it ended with sharing and love and hugs. Like this is what being a regulated adult, a person who's able to stay in control of your central nervous system and utilize the tools um, to be able to stay in control rather than accidentally becoming explosive and dysregulated yourself, right? Like this is how the whole family benefits. So balance does begin balance in your life does begin with you working on your own self-regulation you cannot teach what you don't have if you want your kids to be more regulated you know take note of how often you're feeling dysregulated and what it feels like and looks like in those dysregulated moments and just like I did with the one dad Come up with a trigger plan. What are you going to do when you start to notice yourself becoming dysregulated? Are you going to take three deep breaths? Are you going to learn the, the vagus nerve inner ear trick? Are you going to have a mantra in your head? What are you, are you going to walk away and have a little mindfulness and get yourself back together and then come back? What is your trigger plan for when you are dysregulated? Okay, that's what I got for you guys. Hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs, and if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, And as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's Mastermind underscore Parenting. Um, And, you know, periodically, I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching, and I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better, because when they feel better, they do better. And um, 
I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.